Welcome to Pridescape, the official podcast of Pride Northwest, home of the annual Portland Pride Waterfront Festival and Parade, and much more. Each month, we will be bringing you the latest Pride Northwest updates and important news and information affecting Oregon and Southwest Washington's LGBTQ community. To learn more about Pride Northwest, visit our website at pridenw.org. And now your host and executive director of Pride Northwest, Deborah Porta. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Pridescape, Pride Northwest official podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Porta. Here at Pride Northwest, the history of Pride and queer history as a whole is a frequent, frequent topic of conversation. So much of our history is not easily found and not commonly known, whether that's locally here in Portland, across the state of Oregon, across the country, and so on. This is one of the reasons that we're super excited about a current project happening in Portland, the LGBTQ plus Historic Sites Project. I'm also really happy to welcome Kayla McGrail and Eden Dabbs to talk about the project in more detail. Welcome, Kayla and Eden. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You bet. Um, well, let's start a little bit from the beginning. What what is the LGBTQ plus historic sites project, and what is what are your roles uh, in the project or in any piece of it? Yeah, um, I'm the associate project manager for the LGBTQ plus historic sites project, and this project is a multi year effort to kind of work to identify the places that are significant in LGBTQ history in Portland, to document those places through historic record surveys, um, and to designate those sites through the National Register of Historic Places. Darcel 15 Showplace is Portland's only LGBTQ-associated designated landmark uh, for the city of Portland out of 700 plus landmarks. Um, this kind of, it gets kind of tricky because of course there are sites listed on the National Register of course that have associations with our history, but they're not designated for that significance. So Darcells is really uh, kind of the foundation for this project of being the first landmark to specifically be recognized in Portland for this history. So it kind of opened up the door to start a larger citywide effort to find more stories, find more places, hear experiences from people, um, and just really build up our preservation of sites um, that has long been excluded from historic preservation nationally and in the city. So we will be working to complete a survey of 100 sites that have been identified, and our consultants will capture the architectural information from that and its association, and that will live in the Oregon State Historic Preservation Database, um, mm -hmm. so people can kind of review information. Um, we'll be designating sites to the National Register We've just confirmed owner consent on some of the sites, so we'll be sharing which sites are being designated soon, and then a context statement will be authored that kind of summarizes the important themes and events and places um, significant to this. So it's kind of a big project. 
it is a big, yeah, it is a big things. project. Yeah. Sure. Um, which is <laughs> one of the reasons that I, I kind of wanted to have this one of many reasons I wanted to have this conversation because this kind of effort, mm -hmm. I think can be really intimidating for a lot of people because, Definitely. because it is big and it is complex and there are all of these different players. Um, and the, I, go ahead. Could, could I add some context here? Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, this program is part of a larger program at the Bureau of Planning and Sustainability that focuses on the preservation and elevation of historic resources writ large. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm so pleased that we are now focusing on, um, we're, we're expanding our, um, our focus to mm -hmm. include um, experiential uh, experiences um, and non uh, the the significance of a building that doesn't have to do with the actual structure necessarily yeah it has to be old but um what went on inside it or around it and who were the people involved and that's what's really unique about this project and um it'll be uh, very exciting to see um how the kinds of suggestions that people um send to us and we're we absolutely need the input of Portlanders, so I hope everyone, all your listeners, feel welcome to um, fill out the questionnaire. Um, some examples, I, I'm, I'm going to ask Kayla to give ex some examples of uh, sites that um, would qualify, mm -hmm. um, And but I just wanted to point out that the one of the unique things about this is that it's not just the building and the architectural style or the age of the building. And it's not even just a building, it can be a place um, that we are looking for um, this historical significance within sure, the LGBTQ plus community. First of all, I appreciate that because I think in all kind of blunt honesty, if if it were restricted to just physical buildings, there would be very little LGBTQIA2S plus history that mm -hmm. would qualify. It, we there'd be a lot of erasing happening honestly because yeah. because so much of our of our history is based on what we were doing not necessarily a piece of property that that signified us if that mm -hmm. makes sense yeah and i'm really glad that you brought that up too eden because preservation as practiced in its standards created from 1966 have been focused so much on the building and those architectural expressions and has left out a lot of our history and a lot of other diverse histories because they don't have those ties to the built environment like other people do. So I think, yeah, that's a really important part to emphasize with this project is while it's looking for sites, we understand that this history has to be approached differently. And mm -hmm. it's really exciting to be a emerging preservationist and kind of push back on these standards that have left our history out of yep. documentation. Definitely. So we've already mentioned that this is a, a pretty complex undertaking um mm -hmm. who's involved who how who's in the project at this point 
Yeah, we have, I'm full-time staff on it, and then we have some architectural consultants through Salazar Architect, who will be completing our physical documentations and writing the nominations. Um, and then we have a great group of volunteers. Um, I think the group's up to like 13, 15 people, mm-hmm. um, kind of a flexible group of major stakeholders, people who have been in Portland for a really long time, people with professional backgrounds. Um, Don Horn is also a major community partner um, who spearheaded the Darcel nomination, and he's really helping us um, with all the other volunteers to think about the spaces that have been here for a long time that might not be here anymore um, and really capture that. Um, So it's multiple people that are all bringing their lived and professional experiences to it. And I think it's really great that a lot of our volunteers have both these lived experiences in Portland for decades And we have people who have the professional expertise that are also community members. So really bringing in diverse, intersectional, lived professional experiences. Gotcha, right on. Um, This effort is part of a a national push that began a number of years ago. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's right? Yes. Um, And I... And this may be helpful to get an idea of the scale of the project. What's the what's the timeline? I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question without getting too <laughs> complex. Um, but I think the timeline will help folks understand how large the project is, how large the undertaking is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's what's the lack of a better way to put it? What's the end game? What's the what's the goal at the end of this project to come out with? Yeah, so our timeline kind of started in 2021 when we got a grant from the National Park Service um, to focus on LGBTQ plus history in Portland. Then um, for this year, it's kind of we're really pushing um, 2022 was kind of figuring out who to partner with in the project, mm-hmm. try and build that community volunteer group, try and get the Um, pieces in line to really start the work. Um, So 2023, we will be, um, our survey has started. So I'm out in the fields taking photographs of the places, um, parks, buildings, um, the Burnside Bridge, just a range of different things in the built environment that have association We have some nominations going on that will be submitted to the state advisory group in the summer, and we'll have a period for the public to review that, and there'll be hearings in October uh, to support those nominations. Around that time in the fall, winter, we'll also have a draft out of the context statement for public um, review and comments, and then hopefully we'll have Um, one or two landmarks designated by February 2024. 
Um, while this part of the project is definitely kind of concentrated on this quick timeline in 2023-2024, that doesn't mean there won't be continued work um, mm -hmm. later on. Um, we've been thinking as staff in the Historic Resources Program that this work is going to keep continuing years and years to keep building on um, protecting our places and spaces associated with LGBTQ plus histories. Right, right. Um, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. uh, we've we've touched on so far, uh, you know, there's a fair amount of emphasis on community input, community connection. How, and this may, this sounds obvious, but I kind of <laughs> want people to think about this. How important yeah. is community engagement in a project like this? It's to me a backbone of it because without community, we wouldn't know what places are or were there or are still there that have fostered LGBTQ plus communities and histories. And we're definitely, as Eden mentioned, we're more on the experiences of the place, why these were significant, what people were doing there, mm -hmm. not so much on the architecture. So we definitely want to hear what was it like to be in these places? Where were the places you were going? Why were you going there? Um, definitely get everyone's, as much as we can, their memories in a way, because I think memory and place are so powerful. So to kind yes. of bring people's memories up to the forefront in the documentation, in this effort, in a way that other preservation projects historically haven't done is what really is exciting about this. And I feel really fortunate to be in a position where I get to connect with communities and members and people who have these experiences and have these histories. Because because I know you were talking in a previous podcast with our gay and lesbian archives, it's so important to know our history and to have people be feel like their histories are being heard and captured and protected is really significant in this project. Yeah, I definitely agree. It, uh, I think one of the things that also stands out to me in this project is, uh, and this is something that comes up in, in community quite a bit, is recognizing the importance of, of us owning <laughs> our own history Yes. And sharing our own history, because otherwise someone else is going to do it for us. Um, mm -hmm. And it may not be, it, it may be accurate, maybe not. Right. Um, so this kind of, um, you've mentioned there's a questionnaire out now. Mm -hmm. Is that where people are most, uh, most invited to, to share, like, as you mentioned, you know, places, experiences, um, you know, you're taking pictures of these based on 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 the feedback that you're receiving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the questionnaire is definitely one way to share those experiences and share those memories, and it's a way for community engagement. Because um, we're also recognizing that people who have historic ties to Portland might not be here anymore. Mm -hmm. so a way to kind of connect with those people who might remember being here in the 80s and 90s and want to share those places they remember um, 
I'm also open to getting coffee and talking with people over the phone or through email. I've been going to events, trying to connect with people. Um, and we'll be at Pride um, this summer as well. So hoping to plan some community outreach events um, where people can stop by the table or stop by some sort of event that will happen. Um, but yeah, the questionnaire is definitely a major piece of trying to get people. I've had some people submit questionnaire responses at like 5 a.m. and over the weekend. So it's a great way to kind of, it's always open. <laughs> oh yeah, it makes it an accessible process. Yeah, definitely. It helps make it that way. Yeah, and that's what we were hoping for too, of people, we've recognized that the archives and some of the research don't capture all the histories that Portland mm -hmm. has. So we want to know about those places and those experiences that haven't yet to been documented. Sure. Ayla and yeah. Deborah, um, we have a couple of examples um, that perhaps Kayla could do a little storytelling around. Um, Kayla, you provided me um, some names, including uh, Dr. Marie Equi. Um, and her residence is um, under consideration and the former youth and music venue, Ninth Street Exit Cafe House, mm -hmm. and then Washington Park Amphitheater, which hosted Peacock in the Park. Maybe you could pick one or two of those and, and just kind of paint a picture for folks. Um, the, uh, this is exactly what we're talking about and why. Yeah. Um, one of the questionnaire responses I got the other week shared, um, you know, Ninth Street, Street Exit that you mentioned was located in the Centenary Wilbur Methodist Building on Southeast Ninth. And research um, and talking to community and kind of reading the history, it was a really influential space in having the first gay and liberal Gay Front Liberation Meeting in 1970. It hosted some of the first services for the Metropolitan Community Church. Oh. Um, just a wide range of events. It was a kind of a all ages youth venue um, with the coffee house. Um, there was DJ nights, but I did not know. Um, until this questionnaire response came in that a woman organized uh, another meeting for the Gay Liberation Front for Women and had 60 women come to a meeting to kind of restart in 1972-ish um, the Gay Liberation Front for Women. So it's really wow. significant to submit to the questionnaire or email so that you know, these other stories of places we already know, we can keep adding to them. And yeah, that's just been one of the greatest things of the questionnaire. And I think this whole project is there is so much research out there by community, but we're still learning so much more. Um, like this Gay Liberation Front meeting for women. Um, Absolutely. That's, you know, I was... Uh... I was talking to Don just yesterday, actually, um, because he was helping me research something. And and part mm -hmm. of our conversation touched on this whole idea of, uh, you know, pride didn't visibly start happening until closer into the mid-70s. Right. And 
and there's just this sort of assumption that there wasn't anything happening before that right? Uh, because it wasn't in the news. Right. And, and you're sort of touching on this whole idea of our community was organizing and being community everywhere. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't outside in front of a camera. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, again, this is why this is so exciting to me because even people who've been around here for a long time are going to not know all of the history that's going to come out of this thing. And I find that just to be really exciting. Yeah. Uh, and our younger generation, there's a big divide between uh, our generations in terms of knowing our history. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is, there's, this may sound a little bit corny, but I think eventually, ultimately, there could be a lot of healing in our community through a project like this. Right. Um, and I'm so glad you bring that up. It's just, that's kind of what I've been thinking about too, is a level of healing that this history is being recognized at a level that it hasn't been before really in mm-hmm. Portland. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we, I think we take for granted. So this is, mm-hmm. this is fantastic. Um, how at this point in the project and moving forward, obviously, how can folks learn more Mm-hmm. and or engage with the project i know we have the questionnaire mm-hmm. uh, so where can folks find that that will be on our um historic resources pro- program website on the bureau of planning and sustainability we have a large lgbtq plus historic sites project page and there's um kind of featured content with the questionnaire that provides some background um and then a link to that and we also have some social media posts that uh, pride northwest has put out with the link and i know eden's working to get it uh on some other media and um yeah we can send you the link too to put it in the podcast um, sure, notes. sure as well um so definitely on the project page it's on there um i guess another other ways to be involved is um coming to our events we'll be planning soon i think there's ideas to have maps at a pride booth so people can kind of pin um places that they remember too oh that would be fantastic so that's something to look forward to and it's going to be exciting to see what places people pin on maps or write notes on. Um, Definitely um, as the project deliverables um, develop, there'll be periods to comment on those. So I can give you more information as that develops. I think it'll be kind of late summer, early fall for those pieces. And our volunteer group is still pretty flexible. Um, We'll be meeting several times throughout the rest of the year. And if people are interested in kind of joining that, there's no required hours, but definitely want people who have time and capacity to kind of come to meetings regularly to provide input on the major project deliverables, review um, these documents that might be 50 pages, um, Mm -hmm. uh, but definitely kind of a wide range to be involved. And I'm definitely interested too in connecting um, at other community events and coming 
going to community instead of having just community come to us. I, I think that's a really important part of the community engagement too, is I've only been here for two years, but I really love being a part of this community and love being in Portland and want community members to feel supported in their work too. Absolutely. Um, well, we will definitely, uh, when we when we publish the podcast, we'll definitely include uh, pertinent links, information, all of that. Uh, and we'll definitely continue to promote the questionnaire as well. Awesome. Um, is there anything else that you want to make sure we we touch on or that you think is important for folks to know about the project? Well, I think um, Kayla's experience in San Francisco might be relevant and interesting if she wants to share that. Yeah, I've... Um, no pressure, Kayla. <laughs> my thesis um, last year was looking at what San Francisco's preservation has been and what their preservation is doing to kind of use that as a template for how Portland can increase the preservation of LGBTQ plus history in places. And we have a long way to go. I mean, San Francisco has been doing this work since the late 1980s and mm -hmm. has kind of been foundational and at the forefront of creating really interesting programs and initiatives that, like we've talked about, capture the more cultural history of us instead of just the buildings and the physical places. So they have a cultural district um, program. They have a legacy business program that um, helps with displace anti-displacement. Um, they've completed a historic context statement already that has helped um, local designations continue and they're continuing to designate national register sites so they've really got the ball rolling so we're looking at them as you know they've done this since the 80s with right. the built environment and they've really spearheaded the field since about 2014-ish so we're looking to them as a you know I think kind of biasly from my research um looking to San Francisco, but other places like LA and New York that have set a model that we can kind of modify to fit Portland. And I guess I'm really interested in San Francisco because there's just so many historic ties between Portland's community and San Francisco's community that it's really interesting to find. I was meeting with a community member who's on our volunteer group and he was telling me he moved to Portland from San Francisco and it's just like oh my gosh I keep finding these connections oh, yeah. and I think Eden's from San Francisco and the Imperial Rose Court system has influences from San Francisco so there's just so much oh, yeah we have, we have a lot of folks who have moved up from San Diego San Francisco that whole region uh and I'm also glad to hear about looking at San Francisco, uh, partly because so much of our history, the assumption is that everything started on the East Coast, right? That most of the work was centered on the East Coast, and and not enough attention has actually been given to 
to the to the left side of the country as yeah. they say um <laughs> so that's good and that brings up a really good point too is you know portland has this long deep history but we haven't been looked at like San Francisco or New York. So I think mm -hmm. that's one of the exciting things about this project is we can kind of uplift Portland to this main stage of we have a history, we have a really significant history, and we've been involved in movements. And so that's really exciting to yeah. kind of bring it to the forefront in a way. I know the Gay and Lesbian Archives have worked and other community historians have worked since the late 90s to document our history. And this is a way to keep building on that, to protect our places um, mm -hmm. in addition to archives and oral histories and definitely tie all those together. Absolutely. I think it's also a really good way to, to kind of bring it to life for people as well. Yeah. Seeing something and knowing something is is a little different than reading it in a book, you know. Right. Yeah. Even That's a great around, point. around Portland, it's so funny walking around being like, "Oh, I know this building has this history, and this building has this mm -hmm. history." So, it's going to be really exciting to kind of share that with this project. Of there's so many places and so many areas and buildings and parks and even someone on the advisory group was mentioning um, the boat races. So now that's got us thinking of like, how would you document water resources with a queer history? Oh yeah. So it's, it's really exciting. And I think that's too, the other important part of community engagement and participation in this project is preservation, even while it's expanding and rethinking these community members are bringing up new ideas and questioning mm -hmm. things of preservation that's making us think of like, oh yeah, we should rethink this and relook at this and how would this work? And I think that's a really exciting process. Oh yeah. Well, this is why we're we're a huge fan of of community engagement because you know the more the more minds you have in the room, the more stuff comes out on the table. Yeah. And just community knowledge. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, I really appreciate y'all joining us today and and explaining more about the project and and just the whole thing. It's 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 a big deal, and I think it's really super well timed. In all honesty, yeah, yeah, it's really exciting, especially um, the national context of. You know, San Francisco has done it. New York has done it. There's work in Atlanta going on right now. Mm -hmm. So there's just this huge growth and expanding field of LGBTQ plus history and preservation and site recognition and cultural recognition. So it's right. really exciting to grow that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I really appreciate y'all joining us and look forward to to the project moving ahead and uh and seeing where it goes yeah. uh we will as i mentioned we will definitely put links information up when we when we publish the uh the podcast and awesome. uh, and we look forward to to reconnecting and and seeing seeing what happens next yeah definitely thank you so much deborah this was really fun and i love talking about this work so i <laughs> put my email in there too 
Sure. Yes. Did you have thank anything you. else? Just thank you for the opportunity to share this project. And we look forward to what y'all have to say and um, appreciate in advance uh, your contributions to the effort. Yes. And Deborah, thank you so much for hosting us. It's been yes. a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you both. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Fred Meyer. Portland's own Fred Meyer assists hundreds of local nonprofit organizations each year, schools, churches, 501c3s, to make their communities that we share better places to live and to work. Thank you for listening to Pridescape, the official podcast of Pride Northwest with executive director, podcast producer, and host, Deborah Porta. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on what you heard here today and to support the work of Pride Northwest, go to pridenw.org.